Craft Beer Radio, episode 106, February 25th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And the baby hasn't come yet. Still no baby. Baby was due yesterday, so we're doing a show today. This show is due right on time today. Today's going to be a bit of a grab bag show. we got some new beers, some old beers, some fun beers, and hopefully all fun beers. <laughs> Why not? We're going to start off with the lightest beer of the night. This is the Presque Isle Pilsner from Erie Brewing Company. Erie Brewing Company is in, as you might expect, Erie, Pennsylvania. This is a Southern German Pilsner style. Uh, German-American hops, 4.2% alcohol, 18 IBUs. Haven't had a Pilsner in a while. Yeah, that's kind of what I was feeling like. You know, like, yeah, I got some Pilsners in there. We haven't had one for a while. Let's give it a try. So we're drinking these again out of regular pint glasses. And this one looks like a Pilsner should. I mean, it's a it's a golden yellow. It's a, maybe a little bit more towards yellow than gold. Uh, it's got about a half finger's worth of uh, nice pillowy head bubbly on Bubbly head, yeah. yeah. Very clear. And there's a there's a hoppy, hoppy aroma coming from it. A, a nice... Um, Somewhat minty hoppy aroma. A little bit of hops. I'm I'm smelling mostly like Pilsner malts. I'm getting some of that little bit of sulfur aroma. Not not horrible drain type sulfur, but the little bit of sulfur you get from a Pilsner malt. And it smells nice and clean, and, and it makes me want to take a sip right now. Okay, so it, it's it's uh, nice and clean. Uh, got a very crisp ending to it, which you, you like out of a Pilsner. The the flavor I would think uh, that you get from the hops is mm, kind of kind of a, a mixture between orange and lemon. I would say maybe okay. like a yuzu. Mm-hmm. The uh, I'm getting mostly. You mentioned how you smelled the hops and you're tasting the hops. I smelled the malt and I'm tasting the malt. I'm getting this really good malt flavor. There, Pilsner malt flavor. It's a little bit like graham cracker. It's a little bit. Um, Without you know too much honey and brown sugar, but I'm getting a little bit of like graham cracker type flavor in there, and uh, just some other malt flavors, and it just kind of plays on my tongue a little bit. And I I find it really, really interesting. The second taste, I did taste more of that malt because I was really looking for it, and yeah, uh, graham cracker maybe cracked wheat. It's not a wheat beer, but I mean, mm-hmm. just it, there's sort of that kind of like crack wheat bread or something like that. Okay. There's a little bit of that kind of textural component, uh, good earthiness to them. Yeah, it's a very clean tasting beer. There's no no flaws in it. It's a it's, it's a certainly a good drinker. I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, more so than I thought I would. This is um, this is nice. Erie, Pennsylvania, of course, Pennsylvania, the home of the German beers. So. Here you go, another really good pilsner. I, for people who are lagerphobic, pilsners are a really good stepping stone to get into the whole lager zone. I think pilsners and maybe Doppelbox. Uh, I I would disagree. I mean, for my for my you know entry into lagers, I found things like um, it seemed like Vienna lagers was where I jumped in. Uh, they had a flavor that didn't have any of that. 
logger twang that we used to right. you know, really not care for. And I found that I found a couple of loggers that tasted more ale-like in that way. And then I was able to branch out from there. So it's really, that was my beachhead. Um, I'm not sure if I would have tried a Prima Pils or this beer or, you know, any of the other good Pennsylvania you know, Pilsners if I would have really appreciated them, you know, before I learned to. So I'm not sure if I'd have. Certainly wouldn't have appreciated like a Dortmunder. No, absolutely not. We did have some comments over our last show, our blind show, and I think the the comments were running kind of four to one in favor. Basically, people seemed to like our, our blind show. We absolutely had a blast, and that definitely. Came I was almost through. tempted to do it again this week. I mean, it, it was it was so much fun. The one comment that was somewhat negative was was a comment on our website where a listener said basically we didn't really go into the beer as much, and that. That's a substantive comment that I think we you know we can pay attention to and try to fix next time. I realized we were doing that halfway through the show, right? And I tried to fix it during the show. It was just so hard. And he mentioned how, um, you know, it seemed like it was all about the chase for the beer, guessing, guessing, guessing. So I thought we were guessing too much. And I think the first couple of beers we guessed a lot. Towards the end, I'm not sure we were actually guessing specific beers as much. We're kind of more stumped by the styles and yeah. trying to figure out what it could be, which I think is kind of in line with what you know a normal tasting would be. Uh, but yeah, lots of people liked it. I'm happy because yeah, I can't wait to do another blind show. I, it's it's hard to describe. I mean, it, it's definitely a different show than the show we're doing now. We have all the beers right here in front of us. We know what we're going to be tasting. We know what to look for. It was so different because of that that unique bit of just not knowing anything about what you're tasting and just trying to kind of explore. I mean, even when they do beer judgings at, like, Great American Beer Fest, they know what style they're going to be tasting. We had no idea about anything. Right. I was just going to suggest, you know, there's a couple different ways we could tweak it to try it out mm-hmm. different ways. We could, we could know the style in advance and just not know who makes it. We could, well, as we mentioned the other day, we could do the whole show in rank before we know who makes it. Because that would be completely unbiased then. Right. Um, I don't know. We could do a blind single style show. We do all IPAs that are blind or something like that. I mean, so there's a bunch of different ways we can take it. So I think you're definitely going to see several different iterations of blind shows coming out of us. I really did like the format we did this time just because of the vast differences. Like when we got the barley wine. We didn't know it was a barley wine. We were tasting something completely different. As soon as we found out it was a barley wine, yeah. immediately our our tastes adjusted because we knew what to look for. And that kind of surprise was the kind of thing that I loved mm-hmm. about it. Absolutely. There is a... Um, for some reason, I got half of the stuff here, but there is a... We're bill. drinking, by the way, Erie Brewing's Presque Isle. Pilsner. There's a bill in the uh, Denver or Colorado State Senate that would allow them to sell uh, beer on Sunday. Right. Do you have the beginning of this story? The Colorado Senate has approved a bill that would allow Sunday alcohol sales. Well, look at that, my printer. That's why. Okay, so you got the good pronoun. All right, I'll I'll do the story. So there's a story about in Colorado, uh, the state Senate has approved a bill that will allow Sunday alcohol sales. Now, this just recently happened in Pennsylvania. They they've allowed Sunday alcohol sales within a certain hour limits. I think before five p.m. or something like that. Ridiculous holdover from Puritan times. They had, um, I'm trying to remember the Denver law. It was kind of weird because there were certain places that could sell beer on Sundays. It was, um, 
It was like on premise only, so like you couldn't get growlers filled at brew pubs on Sundays. You could only get you could go there and drink beer or something. <laughs> Don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. So it's glad, good to see that you know the law is just opening up in general. Now it says here, you know, this, when the old law was passed, most businesses were already closed on Sunday, and now that's a totally different experience. Businesses are not closed on Sunday; everything's mm-hmm. open on Sunday. So why shouldn't you be able to get beer on Sunday as well? Right. Next story is. Um, this has actually a little bit to do with what we had talked about previously about the Alabama Anheuser-Busch distributor kind of poo-pooing craft beers and doing things to um, doing things to block legislation to allow stronger beers and whatnot. Anheuser-Busch in a, um, I guess it's a stockholders meeting? Meeting with analysts. Okay. Uh, August Bush uh, presented analysts a positive outlook for 2008 despite increasing price production. And the interesting part here is that they're looking into possible changes with a 100% mindshare program. This is where if you're an Anheuser-Busch wholesaler, you can't have any other beers in your portfolio. Like here in Pittsburgh, it's um, Savad, I think, is the Anheuser-Busch wholesaler, and that's all they do. Uh-huh. It's kind of a nice gig if you know you can just have to worry about you know working with one beer and distributing one beer. And Anheuser-Busch is popular, so that you know, certainly brings in the money. But what, uh, what they're saying here is that... Um, he says the program's current configuration may work against the brewer because competing wholesalers are able to find, add more profitable beers where people that sell Anheuser-Busch can only sell the Anheuser-Busch stuff and not bring in a super premium beer that helps right. so cover like margins. Somebody who also does Coors can also bring in some some craft beers and maybe Coors sells better than Budweiser and then they can sell out, they can push out more of their product. It's kind of interesting how he puts it, though. I think it's probably more of the, the huge mass imports, I mean, because... The way this article is written, they're not talking about a small craft beer as necessarily being profitable and making this difference type thing. Um, so they're probably talking about more things like Corona, and, you know, stuff like that. But it's a, it's an interesting thing. I'm not sure how it'll affect. I'm not sure like Tony Savat here in Pittsburgh. I don't know if he's going to be ready to uh, <laughs> pick up a craft beer portfolio if he's allowed to because he's been spent you know spent the past sixty years selling Budweiser. So. What it's a profitable thing. Why wouldn't he continue? Mm-hmm. We so we have Vincinis here in Pittsburgh and um, others, right? What's that? We have Vincinis. Yeah, there's a bunch. There's uh, Vincini and Lutheran and um, Galli are the uh, three big craft beer wholesalers for Pittsburgh, and then um, there's a couple other ones. Um, some of the guys that have the bigger labels have a couple craft beer labels also. Oh, I was talking with Tony, the beer guy from Vicini, and this will just make you angry. Okay. He cannot get anyone, any bar in Pittsburgh, to carry Cantillon. Really? I always thought it was hard to find because they couldn't get much of it here. He can get it, but he can't get the sharp edge to carry it. He can't... He can, these can carry a little bit of it. These will carry it, but like... The sharp edge beer in for him. America's best beer bar... <laughs> Sells a ton of framboise, Lindemans, but it won't carry Cantillon. That just makes me angry. Cantillon is much stronger. Three Sons won't carry Cantillon because its price point's too high. Uh, Bocktown Bar and Grill is um, focuses on American micros, so she's not inclined to carry Cantillon. I think I want to call her and tell her to carry Cantillon, though. <laughs> um, it just... It's blasphemy, you know? It's a disservice, I feel, that, you know... We can get this beer here, and and they can't get people to carry it. It just 
upsets me. That's that's disappointing. I'll see if my because the guy the the beer distributor I go to also um, you know distributes to lots of local bars, and that's you know where okay. they make a lot of their money, and that's why they have a whole huge selection of craft beer because it goes out to different bars and stuff okay. like that. I'll see if they have any candy on there, but it, we have to pay a lot. Yeah, buy the case is going to be rough. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be $150 for a case or more. So that's going to be a little bit rough. Um, they have, they have like, a Worldwide Stout there for $125. <laughs> Actually, that's cheaper than Save On. Really? Yeah. Save On moved the price up to about $155, $160 now. So it's a bargain. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's um, I just can't believe that we can get Cantillon and no one will buy it and carry it. Makes me mad. Anything else you want to say about the uh, Erie Brewing Prescott Pills? It's going down really easy and smooth. I I really enjoy a good Pilsner, and this is a good Pilsner. This uh, may be on my list of beers to get a case of. Yeah, the, the, it's, yeah, it's, the carbonation is a little low for a Pilsner, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I like where it's at, but that suits our personalities right there. Um, it's not quite as edgy as victory stouts trogues i don't you know i think that those guys are probably a little more edgy a little more american yeah where this was a little more german more straight ahead yeah. i mean they're they're an american take on a german pilsner those right. ones where this one I this think one says southern german pilsner styles mm-hmm. i mean they, they went for like a, an area of germany not just right. german yeah i'm not well southern german should be are those the commies or are those the not the commies? <laughs> oh, I really need to figure out where Bavaria is and where Bohemia is and all that. I think that's Bavarian, though. So that it's equivalent to Bavarian Pilsner, which the other ones are too. Um, but this one just seems a little more, a little more laid back, and it's a very relaxing drinker. So, what's next on our list? Uh, the next logical choice, probably this guy here, the Ithaca Nut Brown Ale. Finger Lakes, not brown. Are we going to decap and catch this one? Oh, we're going to decap and catch it. We are. Uh, this is an English brown ale, 5% alcohol by volume. 5% alcohol by volume, like I just said. Uh, malt is Tubro Pale, Munich Victory, Caramel 80, Chocolate, and Torrified Wheat. It's a lot of malt. It's a big malt menu mm-hmm. on this one. And hops with North Down and Fuggle. Hops, which always sounds like a curse word to me. <laughs> this is uh, brewed in a bottle. It, it, a, a, curse word, a curse word or a Muppet, I should say. There you go. <laughs> Down in Foggle Rock. <laughs> brewed and bottled in Ithaca Beer Company, Ithaca, New York. Mm, smells um, chocolatey. The look of it is a really dark tea. Yeah, it's it's... To me, it smelled, you know, a bit roasty. It's definitely on the dark side for brown ales. Yeah, it's a really full mouthfeel in this. Um, initially, then it kind of goes lighter, uh, and it's weird because it's actually hitting me with a little bit of. Um, you know, I'm gonna have a drink of water here because I think I'm, I'm getting some of the hops from the pilsner. I think I'm getting a little bit of. Um, I think this beer's gone off a little bit. 
And I'm surprised. I haven't had this. I bought this like a month ago. And it's uh, Best Buy October. So, Three Sons snuck an old beer in on me. Hmm. Has a lot of initial carbonation up front, which gave me a, an illusion of a, of a big mouthfeel, but um, doesn't have as big a mouthfeel as I thought. And yeah, there is kind of a tailing, it's oxidized, tailing too. oxidized bit from it. Uh, it's it sort of tails away on the size of your tongue, and it's kind of muddling up the other flavors mm-hmm. that are there. It doesn't taste so bad. Then the late aftertaste kind of gets a bit. Now, funk's not the right word, but twangy. Yeah, muddy, twangy. It gets it gets those weird flavors late in the late in the taste. I still like the aroma because it's got that chocolate, a little bit of caramel aroma to it. It's nice. It's, it's enticing, uh, but the oxidation part of it mm, doesn't really work. I think overall, it's not really good for this style. Yeah. I think overall that. Um, the the body's on the thin side. I don't think it's as full as I'd like the brown ale to be. Yeah. And um Well brown ales tend to not be full in body anyway too much. They have a medium body instead of a light body, but this one's That initial carbonation fooled me a lot because mm-hmm. it has a burst up front that makes you feel full. Yeah. And then it gets pretty weak. I do like a lot of carbonation, so if you if you're a carbonation fan like I am it's probably really it's good and fresh. You know, it, it actually interesting thing about it is that uh, if it wasn't for the oxidization at the end, it kind of tapers off very smoothly. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time, you know, finding good things to say about it. It just the oxidation just tastes off to me, and not blaming the beer. Blame Three Sons for this one. Do they have Racer 5 yet? They do. I gotta go get me one. I have uh, two bottles of Berry Public in the fridge. Oh my god, is Racer 5? Not Racer 5. Why didn't you get Racer 5? Because Heather bought them for me for Valentine's Day. And she didn't get Racer 5. Even though I did have Racer 5 at Mad Max the other day. Was it Man Candy? I don't. Remember thinking man candy on that? Really, it was good. It was very good, but I wasn't getting the the man candy sweetness out of it. Interesting. So, and they got hop rod rye on, ta- on, t- on tap too. Hop rod rye. Yeah. Oh, I was at the uh, homebrew club meeting yesterday. Since you know the baby, since Heather wasn't in labor, we went to the homebrew club meeting at the uh, Sharp Edge Beer Emporium and Friendship. They had chocolate on tap from Southern <laughs> Tier. And I ordered a glass, and it got about three-quarters of the way full and kicked. They didn't have any more. Oh. So I got three-quarters of a glass of chocolate for free. For free. The best glass of chocolate in that whole keg. <laughs> <laughs> the free one. <laughs> oh, It was as good as I remember. I, I'm glad I got to try it again. And I hate to call it right now, but there's a very good chance it's going to be the best beer of 2008. <laughs> Very early. That's why I can't call it right now. But there's a very good chance. I just love that beer on every level. It's a great beer. Chocolat. Chocolat. There was a comment on the Stone thread about 
some so uh, uh, one of the listeners saying, you know, he likes some stones, but not other stones. And he was surprised, you know, okay, he understands I may not like arrogant bastard, but maybe I'd like stones, um, or not ruination, but I may like stones, uh, smoke porter, smoke porter, or the Russian or imperial stout, the Russian imperial stout, and. You know that that one was like <laughs> someone mustn't have listened to one of our you know one or two of our shows. <laughs> the uh, Russian Imperial Stout is Greg's least favorite stone beer, and Jeff, it's not your favorite either. No, no, I we had it. The story was we had it in the summertime because it's a summer release beer. At least it used to be. I'm pretty sure it's still summer released. We did a show of summer release stouts where we did that one. We did the Clipper City, and we had one other one, but I can't remember what it was. And it was just too sweet and sticky, and it was just horrible for August or right. whatever it was. So, like, okay, we'll try it again when it's cold and snowy. So, when February came around, we, we tried it, and it, it was, was still sticky and sweet. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how that beer gets so high on the ratings. At least rate beer, I took a look at their, like, top 100, and it's, you know, way down 25, 26. It's not, like, three or four like it is on a beer advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh it's. I don't like Russian Imperial Stout at all. I can name fifteen Imperial Stouts I like better than you know, and some of those, and probably and those are just stouts I can name. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's more in there that just I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's just I, I have to agree with you on that one. Just even though you know I had a, you know a couple of years ago, maybe before my palate was so delicate, uh-huh. I don't know. But I remember liking it at one point. But anytime I try it now, it just. Yeah, it's not where I want to go. The problem really is that's so not what I'm looking for when I'm drinking an Imperial Stout. I'm, I want chocolate. I want strong alcohol. I want you know a lot of you know big malt flavors. I do not want sweet hoppiness. I mean, a bit. I mean, hoppiness is okay. I don't want really sweet, overbearing stickiness. Mm-hmm. And that's what Stone loves to do in every beer it has. And if you want, if you want that. Stone is very for you. Greg's weekly rant against Stone. We'll have to make it a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get a little jingle. Greg hates Stone, part eight. <laughs> <laughs> Need a little jingle. And I don't hate Stone. I just don't like their beers. I really respect the company a lot. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean... Well, I like, you know, a lot of their beers. I appreciate Ruination. I wish I could find Stone Pale Ale that tasted as good as the first Stone Pale Ale I had. That's the one I told you. You can't yeah. try this. It's going to change your opinion about beers that Stone makes. And I've had it three times since that first time, and none of them have been as good as the first time. I think the one I liked is they had a they had a, a, an IPA, right, or something like that, that, mm-hmm. that was like, it was okay. They make a um, very light beer. It's just... Uh, in for the San Francisco San Diego market called Levitation Ale. Never had it, but I'd love to try it. It's this very light beer. If they bottle it and um any of you San Diego listeners can get us some Levitation Ale, we'd love to try it. We we should try to get somebody from Stone on the phone and What so you can rip them all. No, so so <laughs> I can cook will beat you up over the phone. So I can explain how I really think they have a great company, but I really dislike their beers and I wanted to know if if they have encountered that, if they have an answer to that, and if you know, if they say, "Hey, we respect that very much," but we're making the beer we love, and 
If you don't like it, that's fine. And and that's, that's fine that's with me too. Pretty much what I've heard, you know, from Greg Cook is, you know, he doesn't make these beers just to be extreme. He makes these beers because these are the beers he likes. So I think that's pretty much the answer you're gonna get. I just love to have him on the show because I think that'd be interesting radio. <laughs> just like the Dan Shelton interview though. Well yeah, I mean I'm al- I'm always looking for, for stuff that uh I'm always looking for something to to be interesting. That's number one. I mean, we're not revision three here. We got to find something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're we're done with the um, the Ithaca. As we drank it, we didn't notice the badness as much. At least I didn't. But it's still it's oxidized. You can still taste the oxidation at the end. I, it's probably better. Um, Finger Lake's not brown. Mythica Brewing Company. Uh, this next one I can't wait to try. Um, they've been making it for three years now, but I never realized that they've made it. Oh. And uh, this might actually be the first time it's made it to Pittsburgh. I, uh, I'm psyched to try this. This is the Anchor Brewing Anchor Bach. Now, Anchor Brewing is one of the oldest craft beers in the country in terms of you know new craft beers, we should say. They started you know Anchor Steam, all that stuff. Uh, Anchor Christmas is very well known. They have Anchor the unique Porter. bottles. Oh, Anchor Porter is great. I really like that. They have the unique, somewhat smaller bottles. How? No, it's a twelve ounce. Bottle. It's a twelve ounce. It's just it's just a it's a it's rounded shape. Yeah. They make um seven hundred fifty milliliter bottles of the same shape. They look pretty cool too. The label on this one, I love the illustration. Since it's a Bach beer, there's a little Billy Goat on it. He's he's chewing on a hop. Leaf vine. Yes, he is. Bine. Bine, yes. Bach beer released in the celebration of the arrival of spring is an ancient and mysterious part of the brewing tradition. Over time, the term Bach has come to mean a beer darker and stronger than a brewery's regular beer. We hope you find the Anchor Bach to be rich and flavorful in addition to other offer in in addition to our other offerings. San Francisco's Anchor Bach beer is virtually handmade in the Brewers of Anchors. Handmade by the Brewers of Anchors. Virtually handmade. Virtually. Yeah. Yes. Not, I mean, because if they put their hands in the boiling vat, that, that'd be very bad. <laughs> or if they use their hands to put this the beer. This one uses wheat malt also. We've is, had a lot of beers that use wheat malt. I mean, the, the nut brown used mm-hmm. wheat. This one uses wheat. And this used fresh whole hops as well. What's it smell like, Greg? It smells, it smells hoppy. Sm- <laughs> yep. It smells very hoppy. Yeah, it smells hoppy. I mean, it is San Francisco. This is 5.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, first brewed in 2005. Uh, Two-row barley and wheat malt in this beer, and it's very, very dark, with brown highlights at the bottom. That's interesting how, uh, how hoppy it is. The aroma, getting a little bit of roast in there. Not typically what you get out of a Bach beer. Bach beers typically are very low in hops, very malty, um, except for my box. My box, but they're a different color completely. They're a, a golden beer. Right. This one looks like a porter or a dark brown ale. There's a little bit of um, brownish, reddish, maroon highlights in the bottom. Caramel highlights, I guess, would be a good way to put that. Yeah, that's hoppy. It's really hoppy. Wow. Uh, not what you expect out of a wow. rock. At all. 
It's wow. actually the, it's actually more more bitter than sweet, and uh-huh. it um, it counteracts the whole point of the Bach. I mean, the Bach is supposed to be sweet, supposed to be you know heavy on the malt, and here we have. Well, I mean, just from the aroma, I wasn't gonna judge it on a Bach beer style. I'm just gonna look at it as something new. The West Coast India Pale Bach, you know, right. I mean, and just go from there. Well, like they said on the label, it's, it's their darker beer than their normal beer. <laughs> so that's what they consider their Bach, not, you mm-hmm. know, sweet beer in the German style. Is, is, this, is this even a, a lager? There's so much going on, it's hard to tell. I presume it is a lager, but, well, no, Anchor is... Anchors, uh, American Brewery. There's steam beer, you know. Maybe they use the California Common yeast on it or something like that. Maybe that's why it has, you know, a bit of fruitiness in there. I was getting to trying to nail down some of these malt flavors. Again, I must be tuned into the malt because the same how, the same way the, the Erie Brewing beer kind of gave me this twisting, curving path of malt, I'm getting some interesting mold flavors out of this beer too but let's see if I can put some words to them okay now if you were having this blind what would you call this I would call it a hoppy porter I don't know if I'd call it a porter I'd call it like a really Really Hoppies. hoppy brown ale that went overboard or something like that. I mean, it, has, it has some nuances of a Schwartz beer in it, too. Where you get some just roast and not much malt. That's part of the flavor. And then the other part of the flavor is this really caramelly like brown ale type flavor in there. But maybe maybe more so something like a Vienna or a Munich malt instead of you know crystal malt. So you're getting more bread, bread crust. Instead of mm-hmm. um, sugary sweetness from the you know the the crystal, uh, excuse me the caramelized malt. Now it's two row barley, which is the only barley that uh, Anchor uses. Do you pick up the the wheat, or is it maybe it changes the mouthfeel? Maybe they use the wheat to help give it a little thicker, creamier mouthfeel. It may be it. Do you notice it at all? No, but I mean it's disguised by a lot of the hoppies hoppiness uh, flavor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a citrusy hop, but it really kind of overwhelms any sweetness I would get, and I'm disappointed. I'm not sure it's all that sweet. I think if it wasn't super hopped, it would uh, be this dry, portery, Schwartz beer type beer, I think. Probably closer to a Schwartz beer. But that's not what I want when I want a Bach. Well, it's not what you're going to get with this beer, Greg. Where? So I'm just saying, you know, if we can change your expectations a little bit, what do you think about the beer? You know, I mean, just okay. If I'm looking at it not from a perspective of okay, I was Bach, Bach, Bach. I wanted a Bach. I'm looking at it from a perspective of okay, uh, a Schwartz beer slash porter slash brown ale hoppy. It's decent, you know. It's got a, a, a good mouthfeel. It's pretty drinkable. That hop flavor is kind of lingering a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I don't think the hops and the the dark roasty flavors are perfect companions. Yeah. They seem to 
they don't leave a pleasant aftertaste, really. Like right now, I almost want to drink some water to rinse it out or drink more beer to get the beginning of the flavor back in my mouth. Yeah, the aftertaste is really not not the most pleasant thing I've had today, that's for sure. I'm happy that I tried it, though. Yeah, you know, it's good. I'm glad to... I'm always glad to try a new beer. <laughs> it was an orange cap of Three Sons, which means it's one of the more expensive ones. So, depending on the price... We have to see if I have, you know, more than one. So our last, well, our second to last beer of the night is Deschutes' 19th anniversary. This is a Belgian-style golden ale. Wow, okay, this is, they call it an enigmatic experiment. There's your marketer for, for your day. A bit of a high-wire act. 60 IBUs, 8.7% alcohol, Ingredients unfamiliar to the brewery, including candy, sugar, and curacao bitter orange peel. This is the first Belgian the brewery has ever attempted. I couldn't have said it better myself. Except I thought it was called curacao orange. C-U-R-A-C-A-O? Curacao, curacao. Curacao, I think. Other than that, I, I defer to you on this one, Curacao. But other than that, I could have said it better myself. You can smell that orange peel. You can smell some hops. It's a golden ale. And as you might expect, the color is gold. Very much like Jeff's table here. <laughs> Same color as this, this wooden table. I had problems really picking out much aroma on it. Just some Belgian-y yeast character. So I took a sip. It's it's interesting. Um, Belgian strong gold nail, kind of like Le Fin du Monde. Um, but it has that spicing to it. What were the spices? They use the orange peel and... Oh, uh, sugar? Candy sugar and curacao bitter orange. Yeah, so it has a hint of, um, almost like what you get a whip beer, but, you know, of course not the coriander. And the candy sugar, almost getting like a honey type flavor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Candy sugar adds a lot of body to this. Uh, well, candy sugar shouldn't add body, it should ferment up and almost completely and make it a thin, thinner, higher alcohol beer. Well, then did the wrong thing. Because to me, it, it, okay. it feels like that sugariness, that sweetness, that that Belgianiness that is coming through is adding to the body. Uh, and it's giving it sort of more of a more of a push towards my tongue. Uh, the, the car- no, go ahead. The carbonation is about midway through. There is a... You can definitely taste that orange in there. I mean, the orange is coming strong, especially like around your cheek. It starts to pucker up around the inside of your cheeks. And just a tiny bit of pepperiness, too. First Belgian. I think they did a pretty good job. It definitely seems like, um, I don't know. Do you think the hops are on the bit strong side? They may have overhopped it a bit. Uh... Which I don't blame <coughs> if it's their first experiment with Belgian stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do overhop it a bit. And you're like, oh, maybe we should tone down the hops next time. Next time they have a 19th anniversary, right? 
This is the Deschutes' 19th anniversary. I mean, 60 Abbeys is a lot for a, for a Belgian-style golden. 60? 60. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Holy crap. Got a press release today from uh, Flying Dog Brewery. They gave us some information about the um, the dinner they're going to be putting on at Savor. Savor, an American Brewers Association annual event during American Craft Beer Week celebrations in Washington, D.C. That's May 16th and 17th. Did you see how much the tickets were going for? Yeah, they're a bit expensive. What, what was the price? 180 I think. For this dinner? Or for like a... Just for the dinner? For the, for the ticket, for, for for a ticket for it, yeah. It was oh, like, wow. Flying Dog will serve Kiro's Triple with Peking Duck Purses and Gonzo Imperial Porter paired with Christopher Elbow Spiced Artisan Chocolates at Savor. <laughs> Jesus. They uh, mentioned that you know the pairings are uh, through the website uh, beerdinners.com, which is a new website they launched a couple months ago, where it's kind of a kind of like a wiki again, where you can do beer and food pairings. I had uh, the homebrew club meeting yesterday. This, um, there's a good honey taste in the back here, isn't there? Yeah, like the candy sugar or something's coming across as honey, which, like, if we didn't know, I would say, yeah, they put honey in this beer. It's that's prominent. Um, this is the homebrew club meeting, uh, Peter. There had um, Belgian Golden Strong Ale. He called it Le Fin du Ingram because he made it in Ingram. The yeah. end of Ingram? The end of Ingram. <laughs> but um, <laughs> man, it, it was good. And like, you know, he was trying to clone Le Fin du Monde. And I'm like, it's a lot better. I really liked a it. A lot better. Wow. That's... A lot better. Didn't have that. It didn't have the um, How She's character of Unibrew, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of. Right. So. That's why I liked it a lot more. So I got a text me- text message from Rick Sellers today. He yes. is in Philadelphia on a little tour for Draft Magazine. He texted me and said, I'm sitting here drinking my first Yingling, and it doesn't suck nearly as bad as, you know, <laughs> people led him to believe it sucked. He actually liked it, you know. I'm like, good for you, but You're to me... Loud. <laughs> So I just wanted to say that for full disclosure that Yingling might not suck as bad as we lead you to believe. I mean, when you compare Yingling to what we have normally, it's ugh. Yeah, ugh. But I mean, if if you're only exposed to cheapo crapo lagers, then maybe Yingling is something a little bit different. I <laughs> maybe Rick's only been exposed to cheapo crapo lagers. <laughs> but you know, I'm saying, of course, of course, Rick hasn't. But I'm saying. I know. If you're comparing it only to cheapo crapo lagers that you get, like maybe some local, like Iron City, mm-hmm. it's definitely better than Iron City. True, sure. I understand. I was, um, I'm like, I was like, how do I respond to that? I'm like, I, I didn't, you know, tend to think everyone hated it, but I was also kind of surprised that he thought it, you know, was, you know, decent. Because um, just for me, there's just something about it that just rubs me poorly. <laughs> You know, in a worst case scenario, if I have to, if, if I really want to drink something, like I'm out with some friends, I know you're like, I'm not going to drink anything. But for me, some of the, some of the friends I have, I have to have a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if Yingling's the only thing available, I'll take Yingling. I can't make that jump. I can't make the jump to Yingling. I'm going to have to try it again. You know, next time we have a happy hour at work, I know there's some Yingling in the fridge. Did I tell you I got a little kind of... I don't think I mentioned this. I um, got a promotion of sorts at work. Oh, really? Yes. 
the guy who buys the beer for the happy hours is leaving. So he asked me to take over his beer store. What a promotion. Yes. But that means you get to really choose some. I, well, he already chose some very good beers. But yeah, I am the guy in charge of Phil stocking the fridge with pretty much whatever I want. No, I couldn't get, you know, cases of Utopias. Right. But, I mean, pretty much anything else. So, so. You, you could really get some really good stuff. I'll have to take you a photo of, well, you know, the next beer fridge will be the one I stock. So, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be good stuff. But, I mean, Brian, who was there before, he did a really good job, too. So, I was impressed. When I you know heard they had happy hours, I was like, oh, that'll be great. There'll probably be one or two decent beers and the rest crap. I open the fridge, and it's like... It's like my fridge. I'm like, holy crap. This is awesome. I'm working for the best company ever. It's a decent gold nail. Mm-hmm. This is the Disputes 19th anniversary. Strong gold nails, you know, Belgian strong gold nails aren't. It's, it's got that bitterness at the end, though, that's yeah. like. They're, they're not, first of all, they're not really beers that. I love, you know, like the Findum right. one. Those. You know, the one I had yesterday was probably my favorite of all time, that homebrewed one. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure why. It was just very engaging. And, and this one, while it tastes good, it's, you know, I'm getting halfway through my glass, and I'm like, it's more of the same thing that I drank a half glass of already, and I'm kind of, you know, waiting over for it. To, yeah, yeah, I'm over it. And it's not, I don't think it's the beer. I just think it's the style for me. Yeah, this, I, you know, it's, I feel the same way about like Gold Monkey for Victory. It's like, yeah, okay, it's interesting for half a bottle, but then mm-hmm. I'm over it, and I just, you know, I, I'm really glad I didn't buy a case worth of Gold Monkey. Mm-hmm. I've had a Gold Monkey in a while now. It's been a while, almost two years probably. But if you like Gold Nails and you like your Gold Nails to be on the bitter side, <laughs> this is probably for you. Having a lot of these, maybe we're becoming like, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, we thought the, we thought the devotion last week was intensely bitter. It was this Belgian pale ale, light-bodied thing. And we did get a good feedback about that, like, wonder how it would have stood out if we didn't have it immediately following a barley wine, because it's such a delicate beer. Right. And I would think that, I, I mentioned in my reply that I'm pretty sure the bitterness would have still stomped on the delicate flavors, but, but maybe not, who knows. And what, what what do you think? Devotion was 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 pretty bitter, really bitter for for what it was going for, and still, you know, e- even in retrospect, my least favorite Lost Abbey by far. It's funny because earlier in that show, we were saying we love Lost Abbey so much, <laughs> and here comes the Lost Abbey. We're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I still highly recommend Lost Abbey. Just. Devotion Ale, not so much. They're allowed to have one beer that's not the best beer in the world. Yeah. All right, Greg, so here's the beer that you wanted to do tonight. That's right. We haven't done this yet. It's been sitting Ever? in Jeff's cellar. We've never done a show. Huh. All right. The last time we did it was with Jeff when he came into town at... Uh, um, not Fatheads, but uh, Smoking Joe's. Smoking Joe's. This is the beer we we sent out to some lucky listeners uh, for our. Um, there's a lot of it. <laughs> we sent out to some lucky listeners for our CBR two. 
year two giveaway. This is Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. Speaking of uh, the CBR giveaway, I am never shipping beer in the giveaway again. It ate up so much in shipping. It really? Was, yeah. Uh, I told you it was a bad idea. Yeah, it was it was a bad idea. After I looked at the balance sheet, I'm like, that was stupid. <laughs> so consider yourself all lucky, but you're not getting beer next year from Craft Beer Radio. Okay, so Dogfish Head Worldwide Stout. 18, is it 18%? Yes, this eighteen percent alcohol, very dark as you might imagine. Uh, fingers width of a very pillowy but also a tan head. Smells very very malty. Smells like what I want out of an imperial stout. Some alcohol in there. You got some roast. You got some raisins. It doesn't smell like an absurdly high alcohol beer. That it is. That'll come in the flavor. Right. I'm sure. This. Beer was bottled on ten ten oh six. So it's ten ten oh six. Yeah, it's had time to mature. It has a bit of time, yeah. So it's not as hot as it would be when it was brand new, right? So that's the good thing about buying these, you know, very expensive cases of beer. The beer distributor they have some time at the beer distributor to to chill before they go off the shelf. Worst thing, you know, bad part is beer distributor is not the best place to climate control seller of beer, so. A beer like this should hold up, we hope. So, yep, this is the beer that is brewed with vim, vigor, and a ridiculous amount of barley. But the uh, TTB won't let them say vim and vigor, so they had to change the label. Why not? Because there's no vim and vigor in the beer. So I you see. can't say there's vim and vigor in the beer. But they can't say a ridiculous amount of barley? It's true. Is, is a ridiculous amount like a, a quantitative <laughs> number? Can you say... I mean, a ridiculous it, amount it could be three barley corns, well, right? It's it's in the beer, but there's no vim or vigor in the beer. That's okay. So. <laughs> I guess that's an FDA thing, right? Texan Trade Bureau, actually. I'm getting the smoked flavor out of this. Wow, I, that's strong. I thought I smelled the aroma, and in the flavor, I'm getting this more than I've ever noticed before, the smoked flavor. Not like... Ham smoked or salmon smoked, like you get a smoked porter, but I'm getting a significant smoked flavor in this beer. I'm not getting so much smoke as I have, but you know, very sweet, very sweet. Yeah, how's this compared to the Riz? <laughs> um, very sweet. I mean, with an 18 percent beer, it almost has to be cloying, so I kind of forgive it a bit. There, there's a real, a real raisin there, a real strong raisin. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was gonna say maybe, maybe I could see a slight bit of hickory, slight bit. Okay. But raisin, I think, is the predominant flavor. So dried grapes. If you love dried grapes and alcohol, <laughs> again, this is eighteen point ten percent. It hides it well because you don't get that burning alcohol. This sensation. is um, yeah, certainly out of all the worldwide stouts that I've had. This one's the most mellow in the alcohol. It, it, that year and a half that it has on it, hidden it well. Highs it well in the flavor. In in the terms of immediate impact, I can feel immediately that I'm drinking it. It's going straight into your bloodstream. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of alcohol. So... You better hope there's something good on the TiVo. Prepare yourself for that, yeah. Want to rank? I guess we have to. It's going to be interesting. It is, isn't it? 
Huh. How would I rank these? Let's see. Do we have to rank the Worldwide Stout in here? <laughs> well, it's, it's, since I asked for it extra... I will say no. I will give it a, a pass because I, I it's asked. Just for such it. its own beast. It's yeah. hard to compare. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well that's a separate. Actually, you know what? I want to rank it. All right. Just to see how it compares to these other things, I just got to try to do the cycles to figure out where it fits. And this is first time in a while that I've actually had to shuffle the bottles around to figure it out. You should take notes like me. Use my innovation. Well, it's still about the ordering. Like, see, here's my tough order. I guess it ranks higher than I thought it would. All right, I'm good. Go ahead. I uh, Pick your poison. So I'm going to have to put the Ithaca at the end of the line because it was old. And that's Three Sons' fault because they sold me a beer that was best by October, and I bought it in January. Bastards! No, they're usually pretty good. Anchor Bach, I'm going to put second to last because it was odd. Yeah, it was a bit of a challenge to drink because the roast and the hops kind of butted heads. And I, why I liked parts of it, it was hard to that made it hard to drink. So I'm going to put the Deschutes in head of that. Um, its goodness was, the first couple of sips, it was really interesting with all the flavors that it had. And then it kind of dragged out. It turned into one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm done with this. It, it, got, it got a little monotonous towards the end. So that's its downside. So putting it in front of the anchor, is, it's a close call. I'm going to put the dogfish head next. Um, it's actually... You know that is it worth your sobriety? It's a very good beer, but it's an absurdly high alcohol beer. Very high alcohol. So it's like, and then for number one beer for enjoyability, I'm going to put the Erie Brewing Presque Isle Pilsner. It was the the most subtle, light flavored beer of the night, but it just hit the spot. Take people are going to like go to the website and see the rankings before they listen to the show, <laughs> and they're going to see that we put. A pilsner, pilsner above in the front worldwide of worldwide stout. stout. They're gonna be like, guys are idiots, but it was just very good tonight. Well, Jeff, you nailed me exactly. I mean, the pilsner definitely was number one because I mean that was the one that you know fit all of our expectations and really just it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I mean it, it was a pilsner through and through, and it was really good and re- really tasting. Like I said, of all of these beers, of all of them, the one I'd buy a case of is going to be the pilsner. Mm-hmm. Because that was just a really great drinker, through and through, exactly what it was supposed to be, and really well done. Yeah, I mean the, the dogfish head. I mean it's a great beer. It's fed, fantabulistic to take that out and show a friend and be like, "Hey, you got to take a shot of this." Mm-hmm. But it's <laughs> it's a strong one, and it's, six ounces is like almost. Yeah, I mean, we have a half a beer glass. We we've had you know two sips, three sips, and we're feeling it pretty. I strong. feel a change in my sobriety after yeah. having two sips of this. This beer. is a beer that is you know you should take caution when you take this beer. Uh, number three, it's but but it's really good. So keep that in mind. And the, you know, I like I said, you know, I don't like flowing, but I kind of forgive this beer because of how much went into it and because the cloying isn't quite as um, acidic 
as other cloyingness can be. I don't know. It, it just feel it feels a little bit better to me than other cloying stuff. Okay, I don't think you're going to uh, be able. To, you know, I think you're going to have some people argue that you you give this a pass, but you won't give the stone a pass, and, and that's a legitimate argument. But for some reason, I feel like that this this feels better to me than the than the stones. I, I don't know if I can describe it on a level better than that. If I had them side by side, maybe I could give you a better description of why. Uh, the shoots, well, you know, like I said, it was, you got this like pepperiness and orangey and bitterness in front, and it was pretty neat, but then and that honey flavor took over, and it was really bitter, really bitter for a gold nail, bit too, bit too bitter. I tasted most of the bitterness the first couple sips, though, when the other things were going on. As I got towards the end, I wasn't really bugged by the bitterness. But again, it just that style in general, take nothing away from the brewery. The style in general is one that I can't see the whole way through a pint glass. It's yeah, just, it was it was one of those things where you're like, all right, I had enough. Mm-hmm. And you know, half a, a half a glass was plenty. Yeah, I agree. And uh we had a twenty two ounce bomber, so we had more than half a glass. So take that as you will. But still interesting to try. I, I commend the shoots for trying out Belgian beers. I think that Belgian beers are really nice. Maybe they should go for something else. Maybe Flanders Red or something like that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, those are easy to make. Oh, sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> next uh, next would be the Anchor Bach, which wasn't a Bach. I'm sorry. It's not a Bach. It's, it's something different. It's a dark beer. Uh, that has some interesting character to it. I really don't think they should call it a Bach. It's way too hoppy. No. It doesn't have the sweetness. Okay, but it may not even be a lager. I can't tell. The you, you were mentioning. Uh, oh, actually, not being a lager, I would would not be surprised if it's using the California common yeast. So it's you know steam steam Bach. Right. Um, this, I mean, aside from the weird hopping. In this beer, I think it's closer to the Saint Nick Bach, so it's like Dunkelbach or something like right. that. I think it's more along that lines, which isn't a BJCP style, but you know at least there's one other beer that's doing this this porter type Bach beer, right? But Anchor just went a little crazy with the hops, which is surprising from Anchor. I love a great Bach. I mean, you know, the weird thing about a Bach is. You're drinking a lot of hoppy stuff. Or you're drinking some other stuff. You think, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. If now I'm there is another. And then you try. Stop. Stop. Let me talk. Sorry. <laughs> the right thing about a Bach is you're drinking a lot of this, you know, these hoppy beers and these other beers, and you're thinking, no, oh, I don't know if I want a Bach. You take a Bach, you get this great, great malty flavor coming over you, and you're like, yeah, this is great. Did not get that from the Anchor Bach. Did not get the kind of bockness I wanted, so sorry. Your fourth last and the fifth last was the uh, the Finger Lakes Nut Brown from Ithaca, just because well, it was oxidized. It was not their fault necessarily. It was just oxidized. All right, sounds great. You were saying? Oh, I was just going to say that um, Stouts makes a beer called the Smooth Hopperator, which I believe. Smooth. Which I believe is a Bach. And it's not, I don't think it's as hoppy as this, but it, it's a weird style too. I wasn't a huge fan of it when I tried it. Has a goat in a leisure suit. I see. Well, Bachs have to be malty for me to like them. Mm-hmm. Bachs have to have that 
malt character that makes me say, yeah, I want some malt in my beer. Next time I pour Greg a Bach, I'm going to record. I'm going to like just listen to see if he says out loud, yeah, yeah. I want some malt in my beer. Yeah, yeah. Give me some malt. All right, Biatch. everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 106 of Craft Beer Radio. Absolutely, by the time we do 107, my baby will be here. So, Are we'll... you sure? I, I... I was supposed to be born... Let me explain this story to people. I was supposed to be born in July. July 18th or something like that. I was born August 26th. Well, I, I shouldn't say absolutely. <laughs> However, if... It'll be close. Because the doctors will start talking about inducing right. after next week. Like, next... Sunday will be like when they start talking about inducing, and we might record on Monday, so could still be there. So maybe there is one more show before the baby comes. Maybe, man, it's it's stressful. I wish there was. Just, I could. Just Who knows get, if you're going to have time to edit this show? If the baby gets in the next couple of days. Yeah, that's it. We'll have to see how things go. Things are up in the air, man. Cross your fingers. Yep. And thanks everyone Boil for the us uh, water. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for the uh, the kind uh, wishes and uh, all the well-wishing about the baby. That was, uh, I appreciate it. I hope your baby likes beer. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Oh